Bryson DeChambeau indeed has the King's title at Bay Hill. This is a few weeks back when Bryson DeChambeau wins the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And after it's over, after he takes his pictures with the trophy and shakes hands and does his on-green interview, he heads to the winner's press conference. Bryson's asked a question about how the win sets him up for the rest of the season, and this is how he responds. Yeah, well, it's it's incredible. Um, you know, first off, I do want to say thanks to, to DraftKings. Uh, I think there's some people out there that may have won, won some uh, stuff today, so that was really cool. And uh, you know, I think That's also, perhaps the biggest star on the PGA Tour today, not named Tiger Woods, talking about gambling and giving a shout-out to the company whose logo is on his hat, DraftKings, a daily fantasy and sports betting operator. The tour was cool with it because the tour is cool with gambling these days. They're all in, if you'll forgive the pun. My, how far things have come. Back in 2017, the tour essentially wouldn't acknowledge gambling at all. It pretended it didn't exist. It was illegal then, outside of Vegas, and it was a no-go topic. And then fast forward four years, and you've got Bryson sitting up there joking about how much money people won on his victory. Flip on a PGA Tour broadcast, and you might see the leaderboard show live odds. During the Waste Management Phoenix Open, there was a whole separate broadcast dedicated entirely to gambling. This is an opportunity for you to view the world's best golfers through a different lens. This is the NBC Sports Edge BetCast. Seriously, it's everywhere. On the PGA Tour website, you'll find daily fantasy picks and gambling picks for each and every tournament. And they're not the only ones. For Golf Digest and all our competitors, gambling and fantasy is a huge and growing piece of our PGA Tour coverage. Simply put, in golf, Gambling has been pulled out the shadows and thrust into the spotlight. So how did we get here? How did betting on golf go from a taboo subject to center stage on the PGA Tour? Why is the tour so all in? What are the benefits? And what are the potential dangers? I'm Dan Rappaport and this is Local Knowledge, the Golf Digest podcast that takes a deep dive into the most compelling stories in the world of golf. Today's episode will examine the golf world's rapid embrace of gambling why golf is uniquely suited to the gambling universe, why gambling might make more people golf fans than ever before, and why it also risks undermining elements that are core to golf's identity. First, a brief history lesson. Gambling in golf is nothing new, of course. The $5 Nassau is a language that virtually every golfer speaks. There's also Wolf, Daytona, Nine Points, Bingo Bango Bongo. The list goes on. There are Calcuttas at most member guests, big money games going on all over the country, tall tales of PGA Tour players playing for thousands of dollars during practice rounds for events. But that's betting within the group. I am going to beat you, or my team is going to beat your team. The history of betting against a line created by a professional odds maker is a little more complicated. It has been legal in the UK for decades. We are members of the world's favourite online sports betting company, and we gamble responsibly at Bet365. At the British Open, fans can go to what's called a betting kiosk right next to the golf course, bet on the tournament, go watch the tournament, then, if they're so lucky to have won, return to the kiosk and collect the winnings. It's also been legal in parts of Nevada since the 1930s. So you could walk up to any of the sports books on the strip, and depending on what lines they have offered, you could bet on a player to win, a player to finish top 10, a player to make the cut, a player to beat another player, that sort of thing. And then there's fantasy golf. There are season-long competitions where you draft guys at the beginning of the year, 
but that's not nearly as popular as Golf DFS, which stands for Daily Fantasy Sports. Here's how that works. I'm not gonna enter one of these, I'm gonna create a new lineup. So I'll click create new lineup here. And then it's gonna bring me to this page where I'm gonna draft my team. So basically the idea of DraftKings PGA contests are you're gonna pick six golfers uh, that you think are gonna fare well in the tournament, but you've only got $50,000 in pretend money to spend on the golfers. And each golfer is assigned a dollar value with the top golfers assigned a higher dollar value. And then it's just like fantasy football. Each player gets points for birdies and eagles, loses points for bogeys and doubles, and the team with the most points wins. And just as fantasy sports has been legal forever, so has DFS, at least in most states. But gambling has not. In 1992, Congress passed the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, which outlawed sports betting in every state except for Nevada. Of course, there were black markets and offshore books operating through websites, but the PGA Tour had to essentially ignore that was going on. They didn't participate, didn't acknowledge it, didn't provide any information to the odds makers, and publicly held a stance against it. But that all changed on May 14th, 2018. To Washington now, where the Supreme Court will allow states to legalize sports betting. The court struck down a federal law that banned gambling on sports games in most of the country. Justices ruled 7-2 to two on the case. So when that ruling comes down, the PGA Tour knows it can no longer turn a blind eye to the gambling and DFS universe. But they also know they have a massive opportunity. Consider a normal golf tournament, one that Tiger Woods is not playing in. There are 144 guys competing, and the casual sports fan knows who maybe 10 of those people are. And odds are, they don't particularly care if Rory McIlroy or John Rahm or Justin Thomas ends up winning. And God forbid one of the 134 people they don't know has a four-shot lead going into the back nine on Sunday. The interest level there among normal sports fans is just really, really low. This is where gambling can really spice things up. Simply put, it gives people a reason to watch. If a guy has Rory McIlroy to finish top 10, he's going to watch even if Rory is six shots behind. Or maybe the guy has John Rahm in a matchup to beat Justin Thomas. And then there will be people who did bet on the long shot who's in the lead, and they're going to be glued to the TV. Think of the NFL. So much of their popularity, so much of the reason people watch, isn't because they just love the Panthers or the Texans. It's because they care about Christian McCaffrey or Deshaun Watson because they're on their fantasy team, or they have the Panthers plus three for $50. It's the same in golf. Plus, the tour knows it can leverage its already existing shot link information to provide unparalleled data points to entice people into thinking they have an edge. We'll explain that in detail a little later on. So the Supreme Court ruling comes down and it kicks off a series of pretty vital internal discussions as to how the tour is going to approach these new waters. Here's Norm Gambuza, Senior Vice President of Media and Gaming for the PGA Tour, who was part of those discussions. How are we going to protect our business? Uh... And how are we going to, on the other side, how are we going to capitalize on this? How are we going to leverage it from a commercial standpoint? How are we going to um, use this to um, uh, get our content, our intellectual property in front of new fans and, and create new fan engagement? So all of that thinking began um, at that time. Before the tour jumps into commercial agreements, they work with an organization called Genius Sports to develop an integrity program. It sets some ground rules. They present this to players, and it basically tells them what they can and can't do. They can't bet on golf, of course. Their families can't either, nor can caddies 
or tournament organizers or anyone who works for the PGA Tour. The tour writes policies for its media partners, what kind of ads they can run and what kind of ads they can't run, what kind of deals players can sign, what kind of patches players can wear, what kind of ads they can appear in, what kind of sponsorship deals tournaments can do. And initially, they err on the side of caution. When we wrote these policies first in 2018-19 to kind of legislate the stakeholders in our space, we were really... Um, conservative, or another word you could use would be restrictive. Like we, we did not want to see um, a, 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 a kind of influx of betting deals we, with ourselves. Uh, what are we putting on our own media platforms or are we signing sponsorship deals? And we kind of carried that through to players and tournaments and, and, and media partners. But then more and more states begin to legalize gambling. As of today, 21 states have passed some sort of legislation legalizing sports betting in some way. And as this keeps happening, the NBA and the NFL and other organizations begin to ink commercial agreements with sports betting operators, not wanting to miss out and knowing that more eyeballs on the sport, even if they're only watching for their wallets and not for the love of the game, is good for the bottom line, the PGA Tour's approach begins to shift. As the space began to evolve, um... You know, you started to see other leagues create betting operator deals. Um, you started to see the market develop a little bit. And the thinking evolved from, okay, let's be really conservative and let's kind of see how this plays out to, I think we understand how we can kind of lean into this space now and leverage it and, and, and work with betting companies to reach new fans. In other words... How can they make money? So the tour starts signing deals with sportsbooks. There are currently four official betting operators of the PGA Tour. DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, and BetMGM. These function as traditional official partner deals in the same mold of Michelob Ultra being the official beer of the PGA Tour or Avis being the official rental car of the PGA Tour. But the core of the tour's business ventures in sports gambling is its deal with IMG Arena, which developed a product called the Golf Event Center. The best way to think of this is a combination between a traditional sports gambling app where you can place bets and track bets, and the PGA Tour's TourCast functionality that it has on its website and its app. TourCast debuted last year, and it's a way to follow an animated rendering of every player's round live. So, remember at the beginning when we talked about the type of bets you could place on golf in Vegas? All those required you to get your bets in at the beginning of the round or beginning of the tournament. But with the new IMG Arena product, that's no longer going to be the case. This product will enable you to watch Rory tee it up, not watch him literally, but watch his data as he tees the ball up on the first tee. And, and see dozens of available markets on every one of his shots as he moves his way from the first tee to dropping the ball in the cup on, on the 18th hole. So you go from this pretty static, um, you know, um, less dynamic um, way to bet on golf now to this very robust and dynamic and the product is beautifully rendered on your phone and you have graphics. Current state is stale and static and, and, and future state is kind of dynamic and, uh, and robust. There's a lot to unpack there, so let's start with this Rory McIlroy example. 
Okay, so Rory's on the first tee. This new product will allow you to bet on whether he'll birdie the hole or not, whether he'll make par, whether he'll hit the fairway with his tee shot. And then once he does hit his tee shot, the data from the shot will be inputted into an algorithm and all the odds will change. Finally, the five plus minutes of dead time between a player's shots will actually come in handy. If he hits the fairway, he'll be more likely to make birdie. If he's in the rough, more likely to make bogey. There will be dozens of options to bet on for every single shot. Will he be inside 10 feet or outside, on the green or in the bunker? And at any time in the round, you'll be able to bet on what will his final score be? It's anything you can think of, really. And while you won't be able to actually watch the guy play the hole inside the IMG Arena product, that's a whole separate rights conversation because NBC and CBS paid a great deal of money for the rights to broadcast PJ Tour events, it's not hard to imagine a gambling euphoria of having the IMG product open through, say, DraftKings on your phone while watching the player on your TV or your computer. At the Players' Championship a few weeks ago, Every single shot from every single player was broadcast live through the NBC Sports Gold platform. Surely that will come to more tournaments eventually, hopefully to be paired with more widespread availability of the IMG Arena product. So our hope is second half of 21, we are seeing um, several operators up and running with this shot-by-shot -shot level product. And it is the goal to have that eventually on every hole, every, every player, you can, you can follow them and bet on every player as you, as you watch it happen? That, that will be, that's the product. Every player, every shot, every hole. As with all sports, there are professional golf gamblers. One of them is Rick Gaiman, founder of rickrungood.com, a betting and DFS media personality for CBS Sports, and a member of the Golf Digest expert betting panel. Gaiman's background is in marketing automation, essentially working in giant databases to help college and pro sports teams sell tickets. So he's used to working with and interpreting massive data sets. That made him uniquely qualified to become a golf-focused gambler because the PGA Tour offers an incredible amount of data on its players through the ShotLink platform. This is the core of the golf gambling universe, both for odds makers and for gamblers. First debuted in 2001, ShotLink is a system that captures and reports information on every single shot hit on PGA Tour golf courses. It's the data that allows TourCast to function. The ShotLink data is then put into a formula to determine the strokes gain statistic. The last Local Knowledge podcast actually explained it in detail, but strokes gained is essentially a way to compare players' performance in certain areas of the game against other players. There are strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained approach, strokes gained around the green, strokes gained putting. And not all 68s are the same, and strokes gained add some context to every round of golf. Here's Rick. There are certainly uh, flaws to it. You know, it, it treats all six-foot putts the same. It could be, You could have a six-foot putt uphill dead straight, and that's treated the same as a six-foot, uh, you know, breaking left to right down a, a slippery slope. Those are all treated the same. But for the most part, yeah, I, I think it does really allow itself to you know, create so many new data points that might not be available in other sports, because at, at, at the core, you're right. It's all about the shots and to have every shot tracked is critically important. It's about the shots. What he means by that is in golf, the only thing that really matters is where your shots go. It sounds simple, but think of it compared to a team sport like basketball. In basketball, you have parts of the game that are so difficult to quantify. How good is someone's movement off the ball? How well does he play when this guy is on the floor or when he's defended by this guy? 
So much of that depends on other players and other players' interactions with other players. In golf, it's just you, and there's no defense being played on your ball. What the other guy does doesn't impact you, at least in theory. It's just, where did your shot go? In that sense, that makes it easier to compare golfers to one another. But there are other things that make golf uniquely challenging to forecast, mainly where it's played. I don't want to call it a difficult thing about the shot link is, you know, this isn't a basketball court. You know, not every every course is exactly the same, right? We're moving this from different regions. We are moving this. Uh, some courses are much longer. Some courses are much shorter. The holes lay out much differently. You have outside weather impacts. So uh, there's a lot more that goes into it as opposed to everyone playing on the same regulation basketball court every single night. And we had that's nice and clean data. So you kind of have to understand that there are going to be flaws in the system just because of the nature of of golf and 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 use that in your modeling or use that as as you're going through and, and reading the data you heard him mention modeling so everyone more or less has access to the same shot link data but what they do with the data is up to them gamblers like rick create different models for every tournament and these models are basically formulas these guys write to try to predict which players will play well in a certain week for one course maybe rick thinks accuracy off the tee is super important more so than how the guy has scored in his last couple events. So he'll weight that stat more heavily. For a different tournament, maybe it's approach play from 200 to 225 yards, so he'll emphasize that in his model. Say Rick creates his model for Tournament X, and his model tells him that John Rahm is most likely to win the tournament. But the oddsmakers have John Rahm as third most likely to win the tournament. There's a discrepancy there, and that's when gamblers like Rick pounce when they feel a player is undervalued by the odds makers. If you're going to gamble on golf, you may as well do it right. And for any golf fan who's curious about betting on golf but hasn't gotten serious about it, we have the podcast for you. Be Right is Golf Digest's weekly gambling podcast featuring the latest PGA Tour intel and picks from an expert panel that is up nearly 300 units this season. That's a gambling term, by the way. With thoughts from some of fantasy sports' brightest minds and even an anonymous tour caddy at our side, We've done our best to turn betting on golf into a science to help you make money off golf. While we can't promise that you'll come out ahead every week, we can guarantee you'll be well-informed and entertained along the way. So stop doing golf wagers wrong and join us on Be Right. But the vast majority of people gambling on golf or playing DFS aren't professionals like Rick. They're not trying to make a 4% return on investment each year. They're just trying to have some fun to add a little spice to their viewing experience. And for these people, the very nature of golf tournaments makes them a great place to do this. Consider the rhythm of a PGA Tour event. There's a tournament basically every week. It starts on Thursday, ends on Sunday. It's one of the many reasons the NFL has come to absolutely dominate the gambling and fantasy sports space. The games are basically always on the same day at the same time. All you have to do to keep up is set your lineup or make your bets on Saturday night. It's the same with golf. Set your lineup, make your bets on Wednesday night. Compare that with basketball or baseball. I've tried to have fantasy basketball or baseball teams, but it's impossible to keep up when different teams play on different days. There are different starting pitchers in baseball, star players rest for seemingly no reason in basketball. It simply requires too much effort to keep up. Golf has no positions to worry about, no real injury concerns. Just set the lineup or make the bet on Wednesday and you're good to go. And then there's the four-day nature of golf tournaments. Because for so many, it's not so much the bet that's fun, it's the roller coaster. 
as a gambler and for most gamblers, the it's not the act of making the bet and getting the result that's exciting, it's, it's the sweat. With the click of a few buttons, you go from having no rooting interest to being a die-hard fan. And it's even better when you and your friends all take the same side. It's an adrenaline-addled, emotional ride in the best way possible. The lows are soul-crushing. But the highs are incredible. We did it! We finally won a bet. And these sweats last way, way longer in golf. On Thursday, your guy shoots two over on the front nine, but then four under on the back. He surges into the top five on Friday, only to make a big number, and then he has to sweat the cut line. He gets hot on Saturday, and then cools off on Sunday. So even if you lose the bet, you do feel like you've got your money's worth. A football game or a basketball game is only three hours of entertainment, but a golf tournament uh, all, all in is, is, is half the week. Lastly, what makes golf betting so appealing are the odds. In most sports, you're betting on one team to beat another. Maybe you double your money, or if you take a big underdog, you make four times your money. But in golf? Consider the Players' Championship a few weeks ago. The number one player in the world, Dustin Johnson, was the favorite that week. His odds were 11 to 1. So if he wins, you make 11 times your money in 4 days. And routinely in golf, guys with wild odds win. Martin Laird, for example, was 225 to 1 when he teed off on Thursday in the Shriners Hospitals for Children Open. He ended up winning, which means if you put $10 on Laird to win at the start of the week, you'd have won $2,250. It happens all the time. These long shots, it happens multiple times per year, every year. Most people who are recreational bettors, recreational fantasy players, they want long shots. Everybody loves a good long shot. And routinely on the PGA Tour, routinely in golf, Guys are winning tournaments at 50 to 1, 80 to 1, 100 to 1. And there are very few other wagers you can make in sports where you can get 50 times back on your money or 100 times back on your money over the course of four days. That would normally be a long shot to win the Super Bowl before the season starts and you have to wait six months for it to actually come through. So there's a lot of appeal when it comes to the way that golf is naturally set up towards um, kind of gambling and daily fantasy. There's one more thing working in golf's favor, the pandemic. Golf, as one of the only outside, socially distant activities available, boomed during the COVID-19 lockdowns. And then, before any other mainstream sport, the PGA Tour returned. The PGA Tour returns this week with the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial Country Club in Fort Worth. Organizers have precautions in place as sports ends a three-month hiatus due to coronavirus. This gave gamblers an outlet for some of the pent-up desire to roll the dice. In the weeks after the PGA Tour's return to play after the hiatus, DraftKings held a millionaire maker contest, which is normally reserved for majors, for a number of consecutive weeks, and reached its maximum number of entries each time. The Charles Schwab Challenge, the first event back, was DraftKings' most heavily bet PGA Tour event ever. FanDuel said the following week, the RBC Heritage, 
had 10 times more betting on its platforms than that event drew the year before. The question then is whether those new people paying attention to golf for the first time will stick around long term. The early signs are positive. Ratings this year for the PGA Tour have been terrific, even with Tiger Woods sidelined. And that, coupled with the positive momentum as far as legalizing sports gambling in different states, has those in the industry excited about the future. Golf Digest is certainly banking on it. Our sister podcast, which we relaunched last July, is called Be Right, and it's devoted entirely to gambling. Here's a snippet from it, which gives you a sense of just how granular betting analysis gets. Par 71, uh, 7,350 yards. Poa green, so this is the last of the, the Poa weeks. You want to look at those specialists. Poa Again, season. All, Poa season is still upon us. Um, and a big Kikuya grass uh, week. People forget fairways and rough. And so Tory is the same. You know, it just seems like the Australian uh, correlation is definitely there. You had Mark Leishman win at Tory uh, in 2020. Adam Scott won here last year. So I think there's definitely something to that. Uh, two inch rough only this week, three inches at Tory, um, but still, you know. And here's Steve Hennessy, who you just heard nerding out on Riviera, on why he thinks this is only going to continue to get bigger and bigger. The interest in golf betting content just continues to grow uh, at GolfDigest.com on a Wednesday night before uh, a tournament starts. I mean, we see, uh, you know, all of the content that we do rise into the top five in terms of uh, the performance on our website. It just speaks to um, the growing level of interest. And I think that's only going to grow as more states legalize sports betting because only 21 states have legalized sports betting. So that's not even half of the country, if you think about it, and not the biggest golf states, either Florida, Texas, California, you, you can't legally bet on golf at the moment. So once those states come on board, you know, that's just going to be a panacea of sorts of golf betting. We do have to touch on the potential dangers or pitfalls that come with the tour's embrace of betting and DFS. The obvious one has to do with the fan experience at events. Golf fans are closer to the action than maybe any other sport. They can stand basically on a tee box or steps away from a putting green. They're right there, and there's a ton of interaction between golfers and fans. And the other thing is silence. At golf tournaments, fans are expected to be quiet and stay still. And this is the polar opposite of the environment for a football game when fans are jumping up and down and screaming. If a fan at a football game yells, you suck, I bet on you to lose, at a player, that's white noise. But what happens if a guy put five grand on Dustin Johnson to win a tournament? Dustin Johnson's in at 10 under par, but he's one behind Justin Thomas. Then Justin Thomas steps onto the 18th tee, and there's water all down the left side. What's to stop that fan from elbowing his way to the front of the crowd and yelling in JT's backswing? Here's Thomas, talking at this year's Waste Management Phoenix Open about that very possibility. Look, it's, it, it is, seems to be the wave, um, you know, gambling and, and, and the live gambling on sports. I mean, obviously, as, as a player, uh, selfishly, I worry about any sort of sketchiness going on with, with whether it's communication within someone that's on the grounds and, and could potentially yell or do something to affect a person that, that would have, say, you know, a wager on something. And that's a serious, serious concern. And, and, and you know, we're out here playing. This is our job. And, and we're out here trying to win golf tournaments. And a lot of people are supporting families and supporting themselves. And uh, I would hope it would never come to that. But uh, at the end of the day, you can't. You know, sit there and tell me that that's not a, a realistic chance. 
So I asked Norb about this, and his response was surprisingly honest. So we're, we're being really um, very real in how we answer that question. Um, there is no uh, bulletproof policy or program that we could put into place that would stop you from going out on the golf course and yelling. I mean, it's just, it's just not. So th there, there is no thing that flitch, switch that we could flick that would preclude anybody from yelling. Um, there are things we can do from a security standpoint um, to beef things up, uh, to enhance surveillance. I think something that gives me some comfort is what we talked about before that in, in mature markets uh, where betting has been legal for decades, we haven't seen this behavior in golf. It's a great point. Tons of people on site at the British Open have money on the line and there haven't really been instances of people yelling to deliberately throw a player off. And despite gambling not being legal in every state right now, if someone wants to put money on a golf tournament, they're going to find a way. And again, we're just not really seeing this scream and backswing scenario play out. But that's not the only thing the tour and its players have to consider and be careful about moving forward. You know, providing information to someone about like a topic like injuries or, or you know, and it, sometimes it's if, if, if there's reporters walking on the range and saying, hey, who's, who's you know, who's hitting it well this week? You know, there, there becomes a, um, an interesting, somewhat debatable, but gray area of what kind of information is, um, is, is news and then where does it get into, you know, if you're asked a specific question about, hey, um, I heard that player X uh, was having trouble with his wrist. Um, what have you what have you heard have you seen him hit like that answering that question five three four years ago was a little different than it is than it is now the thing about sports gambling is the whole industry is predicated on people losing money that's how the sports books make money and that's the reason it was illegal federally until 2018 to protect people so this open arms embrace of the gambling industry seems a little odd given the history of the PGA Tour as an organization that moves slowly on these kind of issues, but also because of its status as a 501c6 nonprofit organization. Each PGA Tour event is essentially set up as its own charity, and each tournament donates money to a charity in the community it plays. The PGA Tour recently surpassed $3 billion in total charitable gifts, and it takes a lot of pride in this. It's a tough line for them to walk and the balance they're still trying to figure out. Golf is just a little bit different in that way. And the, the word that I continue to use when we're talking to our commissioner or our board members or our players is that the approach that we're taking and the tone that we're taking is gotta be right for our business. So what the NBA or what Major League Baseball might do might, might work for them, but it might not work for us. So you're saying you're not going to come out with a campaign that says bet the mortgage. We are definitely not going to do that. We're, we're going to make sure that we come out with, with messaging that, that indicates that if, if you do have an issue or a problem, or you think you might, that there are resources that you can go to, to get help. Um, so we, that, that the only outbound messaging that's going to come from the tour at this point in time is that it's not going to be, Hey, you know, lean in and go, um, 
you know, go, go become a customer of Operator X and, um, and start betting. We're not, we're not there yet. Local Knowledge is produced by Gregory Gottfried with editorial guidance from Sam Weinman. The music for today's episode is called Madame Flowers, and it's by Kelly Caster. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do subscribe to Local Knowledge wherever you get your podcasts, download the episode that's important, and leave a positive review. It's a big help. Thank you. <laughs>